Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Bexton and Emmy Coves, welcome to Action City. Emmy! Hi! Hi! Oh my gosh. We are such a mess. Uh, it's a mess. It is such a I mess. Thought it, I thought it was Monday. It's not Monday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. And this podcast and you'll be comes listening to this on Thursday, okay? <laughs> it's Wednesday. I've been out of town since Thursday night. Uh-huh. And we have like a big event at the store tomorrow. Oh, which we, we are just trying to get. Well, <laughs> it just, I think uh, that this has just kind of been my life for the last, yeah. I don't know, mm-hmm. couple months. It's just been crazy. I keep, I say that over and over and over again. And it's my life just 24 hours a day, three hundred sixty days a year. I actually believe that this is your life all the time. Yeah, all the time. You're way more, you're you're like this like probably 20% of the time. I'm like this 100% of the time. Uh, that's true. I feel uh. out of control. Yeah, probably maybe 30. You're so good and organized, though. I'm not, though. I just feel like I don't you stack my easy. day. Well, that's smart. I like, I, so like you literally stack put one day. thing on top of the other. <laughs> and I'm always amazed when people say to me, well, I can't do such and such on this day. I have an eyebrow wax. And I'm like, that's your whole day is an eyebrow <laughs> wax? Like, I, I literally I cannot conceive of that. An eyebrow wax is like shoved in between yes, like 17 exactly. other things. Oh, my gosh. That reminds me. So, Charlie, who does my eyebrows, I have slept through my appointment with her the last, I'm not even kidding, four times. It's no. become a running joke. Oh, no. Because every- What time do you make the appointment? Seven in the morning? No, 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 no. Like- It'll be on, yeah, it'll be on like a Saturday afternoon while the kids are napping because that sounds strategic. And then I'll, I'll lay down and I'll fall asleep. That's happened four times now. (laughs) She fired you? Yeah, pretty much. So that's why my eyebrows look crazy. I I have to sort of make it almost like at the same time every Every, time. Even if I put it in my calendar and put a reminder in the whole thing, if I don't like, yes, I agree. It's usually whatever, Tuesday mornings at 10 or whatever it is, I have to. I've had to create little systems for myself because I am a disaster, as we know. <laughs> I think we, you and I are kind of in the same disaster boat right now, I, I which really... is sad because we're each other's like lifeline. I know. <laughs> so like, like we're, just, we're both a disaster. We should just apologize to our friends and family now. Oh, yes. It's just. My family is sick of me. So we have been. Oh, yeah. In Denver. Okay. So normally we do not vacation alone as a family. So normally we're always with other family members right like we we always have a group with us so it's never just the four of us but now this summer we've been on two vacations I mean I say wait I thought your parents came to well they did my parents and Jim's mom came to Denver so but it was still like yeah you know they were sort of staying at a different hotel because there was no room in our hotel oh gotcha but so we were in Aspen for whatever a week just the four of us and then we were in Denver we went on Thursday night great so my really my peak was that did they win? No, God, no. Oh, but no. I mean, I was sort of, I was sort of like laughing about the whole thing in advance. I'm like, oh, this is like horseback riding. Yeah, right, right, right. Everybody's a winner. Everybody yes. gets a trophy. Everybody's a national champion. Everybody's a world champion. Right. I didn't really realize like this was USA Soccer's national championship, and I guess that there are like, is Gracie really good? I, I mean, well, she's on the second team. So there's an there's another league, I guess, within USA Soccer that's like elite. The top team is okay. in that league. So she's on the second team. So I mean, she is she is good. But is soccer her sport? Yes, like, soccer she had... is her sport. Okay, okay. Now cause... she wants to make field hockey her sport too, but she's now just that's just sort of starting. Well, but field hockey, yeah, I feel like you're a little bit older, right? Yeah, at yeah. least here you are. I mean, yeah. if we lived on the East Coast, she could have started field hockey when she started soccer. But so I was sort of thinking, oh, whatever. I don't even really know what the big deal is. Like everybody's going to nationals. 
Well, this morning I got an email from USA Soccer that was like, here are the results from the national tournament over the weekend. So I guess in Gracie's, there were like 23 categories. Great. There were two, within each age group, there were two brackets, like two categories. And Gracie was in the harder of the brackets. Really? The harder of the groups, like the super group, whatever they call it. Oh my gosh. So she played, they played a team from Cleveland, a team from north of Boston, and a team from Hawaii. Right. And I mean, they lost all three games. So the first game they should not have lost. They should have tied the first game. But the second game they played the Massachusetts team. They lost by like five. Third game they played Hawaii. They lost by four. Okay. So, but the peak was really that she just got to have that experience. Yeah. I mean, pretty growing up, I got to, you know, I swam. So, I mean, we went all over the country swimming Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. competing in national championships and, and, you know, doing, and it's such a, growing experience for a kid I mean she was terrified this like I have mixed emotions about this really yeah because okay I was talking so my husband didn't play school sports he played hockey okay so he traveled all around ice hockey ice hockey in Texas yeah and so which by the way it's really big in Texas yeah it tried to get big in Oklahoma City for a while uh, yeah the Blazers were cool though oh they were cool yeah um but anyway so we always have this discussion, right? Because I feel like he missed out on making really good friends at school because he was always traveling for hockey and he had hockey friends, but they all lived in like other kind of cities around DFW. Gotcha. And I don't know. Now when we go back to Fort Worth, when we talk, he talks about, he had like a really good group of high school friends, but it was very small. And um, it just is interesting talking to some of the people now that we've it's like we've become friends with some of the people he went to high school with as adults that he wasn't really friends with. I think that happened. That's definitely happened to me. Yeah. But like, I wonder had he played on the football team, would he be friends with that guy? I I don't know because here's the deal. I mean, I played school sports and I did swimming, which was a whole different group of people. I mean, there were, well, Lee was on the swim team with me. She went to Cassidy and then we had some people that were older than us. But other than that, it was all kids from all over the place. And I still played you know three sports every year at Cassidy I never missed and I would say that like I sort of ended up with no friends from swimming except for Lee really and a few friends of my like I think it really more had to do with my class necessarily well and Jeff like Jeff was pretty shy in high school so I just he was yeah he was super shy he was actually shy kind of when I met him which is so funny because he's (sighs) not that way no he's such a good talker um but it's just interesting because I wonder, I just wonder like as a mom, you know, not, not judging his right. mom No, or no, parents, no, exactly. But like, like, you know, if Huffman or Campbell ends up being really shy, like I wondered, I was like, I wondered if your parents would have made you play some team sports with the kids you actually, were going I, to that school is with. A, if you think about the kid in particular, right. and I think you're right. I was listening to this podcast this morning, actually. So a friend, one of my very best friends, one of her best friends, this, um, girl her name is Courtney Farrell. She has a podcast with a friend of hers who was in in like private school education. I, I don't know if he still teaches, but he was for years. He was a Marine. She Courtney's to, a guy? Courtney's a girl. Oh, and oh, oh. the person she has a podcast with, though, is a guy. Oh, okay. And it's called, um, oh, no, God. Well, I'll think about it. I can't remember, oh, yeah. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but they just sit and have a conversation. And the one I listened to today was about teams. And she was a cross-country runner, and he didn't really play high school sports. He ended up being a Marine, but didn't. But then when he got back... Well, the Marines is like... Well, that's that's great, he was sort of... The, the ultimate team sport, the right? The ultimate team sport. And that's what, exactly what he said, is there's an ultimate team sport. But he then talked about coaching the like junior lacrosse team at... I don't know if he was at Episcopal in, in um, Virginia. Houston? Oh, 
Uh, uh, yes, he gotcha. had a, but he had coached like the junior lacrosse team. And he just said that they both said that being on a team as a young person. As a young person. As a young person, especially like when you're, you know, like let's say eight to 14, whatever, like, you know, five to 14. Yeah. Is so formative in your life. And Courtney's worked with a ton of corporations kind of on their on their organizational like structure, culture. corporate culture, yeah. creativity within a corporate environment. Yeah, like entrepreneurship. And or what just, do they call it? Intrapreneurship? Oh, where you're like, like a, it's internal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So she said that she can tell the people who did not play on a team growing up. And his whole point was it didn't really matter whether or not you were yeah. like going to play sports in college or whether or not you were just you know out there for fun. The experience of being on a team is so important for your growth as a human being, I, I mean, agree. It was well, and so, Jeff, such I mean, a cool Jeff, podcast. It was a team sport, right? I just wonder socially, like being with the kids that you're in school with. You know what I mean? Yes. But I but- agree. I agree because even like I played a lot of tennis, and it's a pretty alienating sport, right? Well, so she ran cross country. Courtney ran cross right, country. and that's so same. They, we were. She was sort of talking about the different feeling you get as a cross country runner or an individual individual sport athlete well and even when I was on a tennis team and I'm using quotations because you're still individually like you're even though it's a team sport like you're depending on how many matches everybody wins you're still by yourself you're still by yourself unless you're playing doubles and then it's so much fun that was that's why I loved the relays and swimming I mean my relay team was like that was the most fun we ever had in swimming okay here's the name of this podcast you guys have got to listen it's called I've got one for you I got one for you and it's Courtney Farrell and oh God, I can't remember her co-host's name, but it's on Apple Podcasts. You guys okay. should listen. They oh, just sit and talk and they're both absolutely brilliant. And so that was just cool to listen to the podcast yeah. about teams. So I think that was my peak for Gracie right, was that, that she teams. was there with her team. I mean, they did get beaten pretty but honestly, badly. But sometimes when you lose, yeah. it's like even more bonding because you're just like, oh my God. Oh my God. And I was glad that they had the experience to... To play teams that were so much better than they were. Yeah. I mean. Oh, my gosh. We were actually talking about this the other day because a girl who I knew in high school, who, by the way, she went to college and played volleyball. So she was like, and she hardcore. went to Heritage Hall. Gotcha. So she was my age at Heritage. We always played sports against one another. But sh- this would be like me playing against, like, tennis against Serena Williams. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like like when I played volleyball there against gonna be her. There going to be no hope. Yeah. yeah. But in eighth grade, when we played them, I blocked her once. <sighs> yeah, me. And you know what I'm You'll saying? Never Even forget though it. we totally lost that game, like by a, a lot. Yeah. That, like, even in defeat, it's right, those, like, little that moments. That moment, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I yeah. can do this. Mm-hmm. For sure. That is so. That is so well, interesting. It was, so, it, was, it was a blast. Well, so my parents and my mother-in-law were there with us. And you know what? It was fun. They they came to dinner with us. They came That's to the so games. How Jim did get kicked out of the first game, by the way. Kicked out for by yelling. the left for yelling. He lost his marbles. No. And then my mom had to look at my dad and say, do not get in competition with him. Because, you know, my dad also loses his marbles. It was mortifying I'm not gonna lie honestly like parents getting that way I I've never been so uncomfortable in my life when I see a dad freak out oh well you would have been uncomfortable and there I was I would have yelled at Jim though like oh I I tried but it was the whole thing was ridiculous see that's when I see other people getting upset when I think it's unjust and I just (laughs) it's like not productive (laughs) oh Oh, so then I'm trying to think my pit was well my pit is that I either I until recently I've traveled one of two ways, right? I go with my friends. Yeah. Or I go with my family and lots of other people, right? right. So like the kids always have 
kids to go off and play with and the grownups are with the grownups, right? right? But I haven't really gone on a vacation sort of with the four of us and had to sort of plan the vacation around everybody, not just around me, right? right? Like when I'm going with my friends, like I'm picking the best restaurants for lunch and dinner. I'm doing exactly what I want. So I mean, I love to research. I could mm-hmm. research hotels and restaurants and activities and I could have, you know, I'm not good at like fully planning the whole thing out, but I mean, I have like yeah. an idea and I know where I want to go and I've got it all planned out. And these other fools that are in my family, they just show up and then, you know, they want something to do, but they don't really want to do the research. They don't want to really waste their time. Like they want input on the restaurant, but they don't want to pick it. They, well, they just, they don't want to have to mess with it, but they want it to be tailored towards them. Oh, okay? gotcha. So here's my thing. If you're the person that does all the work, <laughs> you plan everything, you make all the reservations, you try to pick something that, you know, sort of everybody's going to like. If, if you're that person, you get to do what you want, Okay. If you don't want to plan any of it and you don't want to put in any effort, then you cannot complain when the restaurant does not have chicken fingers. I mean, I am sorry. Okay. So basically, it's me and I'm on vacation with three children. Okay. It's so finally after two days, I had enough. I could not that we went to the most delicious restaurant. It was farm to table. It was so beautiful. The Oh, my God. The vegetables were insane. They I want to say the B word, but they complained so much. I looked at all of them and I go, I'm out. You people figure this out. I'm not doing one more thing. I'm not planning one more thing. I'm not picking another restaurant. I'm literally doing nothing, okay? And then for like 24 hours, they were- Like fuddled around. Yes, kind of like fumbled. And finally, Jim was like, oh, let's go to the baseball game. And I was like, mm-hmm, you're a genius. I've been saying that for two weeks. I've said it a hundred times. And now he's like, oh, wasn't the baseball game fun? Wasn't that so much fun? You're so like, it was that like, was my idea. That was my idea. <laughs> Hello. So finally, on whatever, Tuesday morning, after I'd like pouted for, you know, almost two days, he comes back in. He's like- I'm so sorry. I mean, you're right. You did a lot of work. It's really hard to organize everybody. And I know that, you know, you, that was a lot of work and I appreciate it. At least I got the apology. At least I got the apology. But. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It was, I mean, I mean, they would go to like McDonald's for every meal. Ew. Ugh, I can't. I had to go. I mean, it was really. So it was fun. And they do now, I think, appreciate that it does take some effort to organize and plan. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, but now we're back and here we are. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Back to real life. I know. I'm trying to think. What have you been doing? Well, I got really sick over the weekend. What? I know. Yeah, me. I I know. So, of course, I freaked out. You're so healthy. I I feel like I am. You are. Yes, you are. Um, I had this like weird virus, which by the way, I did get a COVID test. It was not COVID. But of course, I was freaking out. I was like, freaking Delta. Yes. You know, and I did, however, the... The person who gave me my COVID test told me that she had seen about two or three people a day getting COVID who were fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So hmm. just I'm going to leave oh, that my- there. Because- Did you watch the Milwaukee Bucks play the Phoenix Suns last night in the final game? No. They showed the streets in Milwaukee. There were 65,000 people in the streets of Milwaukee packed in like sardines. <sighs> and all I kept thinking was, oh, my God, Milwaukee's going down. I mean, they won the championship, but they're yeah, yeah. Everyone's gonna have COVID. Uh, I'm just like, I almost don't want to talk about it, but then it's like it's kind of weighing on my heart that like less than forty percent of Oklahomans are vaccinated, and I'm just like, get you guys, it, get it together, get it together. Like, ugh, actually, get it, get the vaccine. I said I something to a friend. I was like, you know, something about being vaccinated, and she's like, I'm not vaccinated. And I was like, I was like. I'm, I, I like, almost can't listen. I, uh, mm-hmm. she actually had a good reason. Um, like a, actually a very good reason, but like, you know, listen, was she wearing a mask? 
Well, we were sitting outside at lunch. Okay. But like, but does she wear a mask yes, everywhere? Yes, she does. She does. So if you're not vaccinated, you should be wearing a mask literally everywhere well, that's you go. What, okay, so I went to Super Target, and I hate the Super Target on Penn. Yeah, I but I needed to run in. I needed to run into H and M and Cool Springs Mom. Oh God! I know. I know. It's it gets worse. There's, <laughs> there's nothing I want badly enough to have to go to Cool Springs Mall. I honestly, I every time I'm in that mall, the whole thing is moving. Like. I have Were you like, thinking about Florida, that like maybe the whole building was going to collapse? Yes, because I have a weird, like I have a very sensitive equilibrium. So if things are shifting under me, I can feel it. It's weird. I know. It's. It, I think you could it's, not work in a tall building. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the other day, or not the other day, this is like two years ago, I was in there and I could feel it moving. And I like said something to the sales girl. I was like, hey, by the way, is like the ground moving? She goes, oh yeah, the ground shakes here all day long. And I was like, <gasps> oh God. Get me I was like, okay, I'm never going to see a movie. <laughs> uh, never coming back to this place. Yes. Okay. So you go to Super Target after you had to go to Quill's Yeah. Spring. But okay. So my point was nobody was wearing a mask at Super Target. Not a single person. And let me tell you. I wore my mask in and I'm fully- 60% of those people are not vaccinated. Right. That's what I was saying. Like, yeah, yeah le- more than 60%. I think it's like 38% of Oklahomans are vaccinated. I don't know. But I was literally like, I walked in with my mask on just because I had had that virus over the weekend. Yes. And I was like, wait, how am I a fully vaccinated person wearing a mask? I mean, for a different reason. Yeah. But there's nobody in here with a mask on? I, I, and on their thing, it said if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. And not one. I mean, let's be serious. I know. I hate to bring it up. It's like I know we're all sick of hearing about it, but it's unfortunately it's it's a part of it's not gone. It's not gone. It's not going anywhere. No. Get the vaccine. Get the vaccine. But anyway. and if you, I mean, I, I if you I end up in the hospital and you did not have the vaccine, I mean, well, that's the thing. There's like in, I really don't have a lot of sympathy. in Tulsa. Did you see the ICU numbers? Really Are they high. skyrocketing? Mm-hmm. And how many of those people? I mean, I think it's something like 94% of the people that end up in that hospital are not vaccinated. Well, I think in the ICU, it's like 99% or something. So, I mean. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. So, oh, gosh. Anyway. Okay. So. <laughs> but my peak. Yeah. What was your peak? I don't know. I'm trying to like even think. I know that sounds terrible that I can't think of a peak, but I feel like, well, my peak will be we're going to Jackson Hole this weekend. <sighs> And how long are you there? Two weeks? We're there for 10 days, um, so which nice. is like the best You can 10 days settle in. Life. 10 yes. days, you have a time to like, mm-hmm. you don't have to pack it all in. You can enjoy every single yes. day. Yes. And we're celebrating my dad's 60th birthday. And we'll celebrate so my fun. grandmother's birthday, who I haven't seen in a year because what? of COVID. I know. Does she live in Jackson Hole full time? No, she she's the best gig. She lives in Jackson Hole for the summer and Phoenix for the winter. Not a fan oh. of humidity, so she picked those two places, and I could not be happier about it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I'm, Are you gonna fish? What's on the? Yeah, we have two full days of fishing, which I'm elated about. Does everybody go? Obviously, the kids are too yes. young to go, but all the grown ups go together. All the grown ups go. We go in boats. We float the river. It's so fun. So. Is there beer involved? Oh yeah. So like if you well, want, could you like depends. sit on the front my, and like let everybody my else? My parents fish? aren't big day drinkers, but oh, like just neither are my parents. Like it, I my mean, parents frown on day drinking. Really, really, yeah. God, it's the best. Well, if I, I could be day like drunk and then go to bed at like s- mm-hmm. nine p.m. and then wake up not hungover, that's the best. That's the best. That's how um, I like it. But yeah, so that's kind of what's. I'm just excited. I'm excited to go on vacation. Um, we have a babysitter coming with us, which we've never done. Uh, like it will change your life. I, we did it yeah. when the kids were little. It is. Yeah. Well, so last year for my sister's wedding. 
our babysitter got COVID and couldn't. So she was flying out like on a Wednesday for the wedding on Saturday, ended up getting COVID. So we scrambled for local babysitters. It was the most stressful situation. Thank goodness she found out she had COVID before she got on the airplane. Well, that's the thing. She, she like was like, Oh, I I have a runny nose, but I feel okay, but I'm just going to get a COVID test just to make sure. Like, cause she's such a sweet person and, um, yeah, ended up having COVID. So it was like, (laughs) The most stressful week, just like figuring out, the- especially during a wedding, when during you actually like can't just say, okay, fine. Well, we'll it was our a plans. thirteen person wedding. <laughs> if one person was missing, yes. it would have been a problem. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah, but we're so excited for our guest. We're really excited for our next guest. Jane Jenkins is president and CEO of Downtown Oklahoma City Partnership. Jane was born in Virginia and moved to Charleston, South Carolina, in high school. It is there she discovered her love of historic downtowns. Jane moved to Tulsa to attend Oral Roberts University and fell in love with Oklahoma. With a degree in communications and education, Jane taught school for several years before taking a break to move to Wagner, Oklahoma to run their historic downtown. 30 plus years later, she is still taking a break and honing her skills for revitalizing and managing downtowns through Pawhuska, Boulder, and the past 12 years, Oklahoma City. Jane is an internationally recognized speaker and expert on urban issues. She is a former chairman for the International Downtown Association Board of Directors and also active in the International Economic Development Council, Urban Land Institute, and the American Institute of Architects. In 2014, Jane earned accreditation from the Congress for New Urbanism, and she was recently named a senior fellow at the Institute for Place Management in Manchester, England. Welcome, Jane, to Action City. Looking for your voice to be heard? Have a passion and want to share it with those of a common mindset? Have a business or brand that needs to get the word out but don't know where to advertise? Contact Blackened Studios, a full-spectrum, cutting-edge podcast studio that services clients from all over the country. Blackened Studios offers you more than just a podcast. We offer you an experience. In-house production from audio-video recording, editing, marketing, advertisement, and exposure with over thousands of people listening weekly. Black & Studios doesn't hesitate to back local businesses. So when you want your voice heard, Black & Studios has your back. Search Black & Studios on all social platforms. Email at podcast at blackandstudios.com or visit us at blackandstudios.com. And remember, it's Blackened. Jane Jenkins, we're so excited to have you here. Yes. We love Oklahoma City, obviously, and we especially love downtown and what's happened since your tenure at Downtown OKC. And Emmy and I are just excited to get to hear your story and how you got to Oklahoma City and how we got to be so lucky to have you here. So welcome. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Obviously, I love Oklahoma City, too. And so to be able to talk about it and uh, with two people who obviously love the city as much as I do is just a thrilling experience. Okay. Just, I, I'm so excited. Well, so where are you from? Um, I consider myself to be from Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, nice. I was actually born in Virginia, but when I was in early high school, my family moved to Charleston. Both of my parents are native South Carolinians. And so I actually, you know, got my driver's license and learned to drive in 
in South Carolina. So, and my entire family still lives there. Really? Yes. And so when I say I'm going home, that's where I'm going home to. So I'm a native Virginian, but I consider home to be South Carolina. Okay. Well, after the podcast, I need to ask you questions because I think we're going to go over Labor Day. To Charleston? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. really? Is that yeah. a good time to go? Is it too hot? It's always hot. Yeah. yeah. It's always hot. <laughs> but I just, I love Charleston. We used to actually drive from Oklahoma City to Charleston every summer and stay out at Wild Dunes. Yes. And it just, it was so fun. Okay, so after the podcast, I'm going to tell you some stories about Wild Dunes before oh. it was Wild Dunes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Like we just it. call that the end of Isle of Palms. Oh, the end of Isle of Palms. Did you drive your car out there with your new driver's license? Oh, uh, yeah, I must have. Well, so what was high school like for you in Charleston? Uh, well, I really, I really loved it. I was glad I got to meet uh, people that um, remained friends of mine and are still friends, you know, through, uh, f- you know, for life. I'm actually went to high school in Mount Pleasant, which okay. is east of the Cooper, and so I went to high school with kids from Sullivan's Island, Isle of Palms. Um, the high school that's there now, Wando, is the biggest high school in the state because Mount Pleasant has become kind of the big residential area, you know, for Charleston. But when I lived there, it was, it was not, it was pretty, pretty small. And I was actually in the last graduating class from my high school. And then they built the new high school oh, and okay. they have actually built two more new high schools since oh then. So it's, it's grown quite a bit in terms of residential population. It was really a Little shrimping village on the way to the to the beach. The That's beaches. so interesting. What was Charleston like then? I'm assuming it's bigger and more happening now, but it always had I mean, a really special personality, right? It did. It, it 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 always did. And as I say, when I lived there, it was genteely shabby. You know, oh, I love that. So that's my favorite. You. That's a little bit like Crested Butte. That's what that's. I'd never thought about it that way, but that's yeah. how I it's, think it, of Crested Butte. It, it was a very cool place to be, and of course, tourists came there for the history, but largely, you know, um, Civil War history and Fort Sumter. Yeah, we went history. to Fort Sumter, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and so you know, the downtown was very quaint and. Then, just like a lot of other places, uh, just like Oklahoma City, I mean, things started changing as leaders came in and said, we need to, you know, we need to make this a more welcoming place for tourists. And so they, you know, built some uh, hotels and, you know, different types of shopping experiences. And, you know, they, they it changed. I mean, most locals will tell you, you know, they liked it better the other way, but this is you know, economic development is the future. It's the same thing we're doing in Oklahoma City. I'm sure people remember um, when we had John A. Brown and, you know, other department stores downtown, and that's a nostalgic memory for them. Um, but things change, and they move on. And I think the the um, the challenge is to preserve enough of the past and enough of that nostalgia by moving forward with, with the way that people live now. So that's that's kind of what's happened to Charleston. It has become much more touristy and a more commercial way than it was when, when I was growing up That's there. That's so funny because the dress I'm wearing is from a boutique in Charleston that I found on Instagram, and I buy stuff from them all the time. What, what is, is it? it? It's called a Mulberry and King. Okay. It's and probably at Mulberry yeah, and King. Yeah, that's where it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got to follow them. Oh, yeah, they have great... You've been keeping this a secret. I, well, it's... Uh, it is kind of my secret. Oh, but God, don't anybody follow. I know. <laughs> so, but that's so funny. I I guess so, you know, now because there's a show on Bravo about Charleston and 
I don't know. It just seems kind of an obvious place to have so much great food and restaurants and hotels because of the what it is. It's beach and city and fun stuff. But that's interesting. Yeah, it's um, it's it as I say, it's a nice place to to go home to. Um, I still go home. I still have my parents. They're in their nineties, and so I um. I, I visit them. So we don't really go, I don't get to go out as much and experience those restaurants as much as I would like to, but I, but I, but I try, you know, and, um, my, you know, my parents still, you know, get out, but that's just not their thing. And, uh, my, uh, my sister is there and her children and her children's children. So, you know, I'm the only one out here in Oklahoma. <laughs> do they ever try to convince you to come home? All the time. They do. They do. Downtown Charleston, you cannot have her. You cannot have her. So, you know, um, <laughs> well, for, for, for the longest time, I don't know if you've heard of Mayor Riley. He is, you know, um, often credited with, with really bringing Charleston into the 21st century. He was mayor of the town for 40 something years oh and really led a lot of the efforts to revitalize, you know, the, the city the city center and so as I often would say back in those days when they would get me to come home I said there's no job for me here Mayor Riley's got it covered <laughs> you know so, <laughs> and um, so there really wasn't a counterpart you know to the to the type of work that I do you know in Charleston itself That's so interesting. But, do you think that having grown up there you and I guess he was the mayor probably when you when he you was were the mayor there when right? I was in high school when you were in high school yeah. do you think it taught you some lessons about downtowns and about economic development and about city centers and about I think Charleston seems to me it's remained fairly authentic to its roots while also growing I mean what, what did you learn from that well this is this is my this is my best Mayor Riley story um, I was in San Antonio and I was speaking on a panel about developing housing in in downtowns and uh, Mayor Riley was on the panel because one of his biggest successes has been taking dilapidated, you know, historic structures that are on the outskirts of, of the core and developing them for um, not only just affordable housing, but just housing in general and, and uh, getting those houses back on the market. That's that that was a big you know issue for him. Wait, that's so interesting. So I went to Mayor Riley and I said, oh, Mayor Riley, you know, said it is such an honor to be on this panel with you. You know, I said, I'm from Charleston. And he just deadpanned and looked at me. He goes, why did you leave? <laughs> He's and, like, I lost one. And, 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 <laughs> and, 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 and that's really the truth. I mean, people people say, you know, why would you leave Charleston? You know, of course, I, I left Charleston to come to Oklahoma. And then I left Boulder, Colorado to come to Oklahoma. So I have left two towns that people would consider to be yeah. you know, Best. utopian type right. of towns to live in the great state of Oklahoma by choice. So, so, interesting. so how did you get from Charleston yeah. to Oklahoma to begin with? The, the first, first time, time I went to college at ORU in Tulsa. Oh, okay. That's how, um, that's how did how you I find ORU, Oral Roberts, right? Oral Roberts from, from Charleston. South, <laughs> from South Carolina. Um, my parents were, uh, were were big fans of TV uh, evangelists, I guess I would say. we. I grew up watching the Billy Graham Crusades, you know, uh, on television. And then Oral started, you know, broadcasting. And so we heard about it from there. And it was important to my parents that I go to a Christian school. And so uh, so that's, that's how I got it. 
my 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 other you know nice little one liner on this and when it when people ask me well you know why did you go to Oral Roberts I said well that's where my parents sent the check and they've probably so, been sending it so, for a long time so I had to, I had to show up and um you know so I thought I might graduate you know since since that's where the money was going did your sister go there too she did and was she is she older or younger than you? She is uh, younger than I am. Oh, were you guys so there together? We were there together. We are actually Irish twins, less than my husband's an Irish twin. Yeah, she was yeah. born. She was born a week before my first birthday. So, oh my gosh! And your there's poor just mother. the two of us. I know, just the two <laughs> well, of yes, us. Yes, so, poor mother. <laughs> we were in college together, and um, she stayed in Tulsa for a little bit afterwards, but moved back to South Carolina. I mean, but Tulsa is so different than Oklahoma City. You know, it's right. just like, I mean, landscape, I think even a little bit of cultural differences, right? So what was your kind of first impressions of Tulsa? What did you think about it? Oh, my gosh. Tulsa amazed me yeah, when, when I when I got there. I mean, if you've, if you've been to Charleston, you know, we don't really have high-rise buildings. Oh. And our architecture is very different and, and much more of a smaller scale. And so to go to, to Tulsa and in downtown Tulsa see this skyline, and, you know, people's vision of Oklahoma, you know, even in the 70s back then was, you know, prairies. And to see that uh, the landscape that was around Tulsa, the green rolling hills and the rolling hills of South Tulsa. And as you get closer in, you know, beautiful homes on, uh, you know, massive lots and a different type of architecture from the 20s than from the 1600s, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, you know, I really, I, I mean, I loved Tulsa. I, that, that's Did it feel why kind I of modern? Stayed. I mean, because, you it, know. I, well, I went to ORU. <laughs> yeah, it, it <laughs> did feel. That is, those structures are. It did feel kind of modern. And I had always had a view of college as red brick building with ivy on the walls. Right. You know, that was, that's what colleges were supposed to look like. So this space age, you know, type of architecture, you know, took some getting used to. I mean, now I, I, I love it and think they need to do more to make sure that that is preserved because it's such an icon for its time. But, um, you know, but when I was going to school there, it was just like, this is weird. <laughs> this is weird. What is happening? My headspace camp. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, so what did you major in? And then what was your first job after college? Oh, I majored in um, commun communication arts education. Okay. Believe it or not, I, I went into college uh, wanting to major in journalism. ORU did not have a journalism major, but this communications thing was as close as I could get. And I had a concentration in telecommunications because I was going to be the next Jane Pauley. You know, well, you would have really, been great at that. I really wanted to do broadcast I journalism. Myself, but who's Jane Pauley? <laughs> even, even, oh, I guess I'm older than you. I know who that okay, is. Okay. Yeah. Do you watch CBS Sunday Morning? Sometimes she does the, the best show on TV. She she anchors CBS Sunday oh, okay. morning, which is like your favorite. And she's right? yes, and she's in the past two years because Charles yeah. Osgood was he the one before yeah. that? He and now she does a great job. She does a great job. Mm -hmm. But okay. before that, she was a news anchor. Oh, gotcha. You know? Okay, and okay. um, so that was really what I what I wanted to do. And 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 this is kind of a long story. And, and I'm going to forget names, but in Kansas City. There was a, a well-respected woman news anchor, and I was going to say her name was Catherine, but I can't, I've just lost it. I've been too I'm many years. I lose everything. 
And this was in in the 70s, and they were starting to switch to what they called a happy talk, you know, format of, of news. We weren't doing the Walter Cronkite thing, delivering the news in the in the microphone. It became, you know, you had to have, like we're talking yeah. right. It had to be a little happy talk. And for that, they wanted people who looked good, you know, on, on camera. They were not necessarily <laughs> chosen for their journalistic experience (laughs) as much as they were for how they did on camera and how they interacted together and um I just got really discouraged because she got fired I don't say she was eased out largely because she did not fit the appearance bill for what they were Mm. looking for and I thought well then that's not is that's not going to be for me so I added um education uh as as a as a minor to my to, to my telecommunications career that I was working on. And uh, I was a school teacher. Oh, okay. What grades? Uh, I taught high school uh, most of the time. That is brave. Was I, it's brave. Or was no, I went back to uh, South Carolina after okay. I graduated, and I taught high school in a rural school district in South Carolina outside of Charleston. And then I, um, I really missed Oklahoma really missed Oklahoma oh my and my gosh. friends that I went to college with and so the closest now people don't believe me when I tell them this but back then it was hard to find a teaching job part of that you know is that um there weren't as many opportunities for women right. as there are now and so career opportunities for women were largely in education so there was a lot of competition so there was a lot of competition for, for teaching positions, particularly in the liberal arts, which is what I was teaching. So I, uh, I found a job in Oklahoma. The closest I could get to Tulsa was Chandler. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so for is, two years. How far is that? Like, It's 40 miles it in from the middle? Oklahoma City. It, oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. Stroud kind is of, the gotcha. midpoint. Stroud's the yeah. midpoint. Okay. And then Chandler's closer to Oklahoma City. A lot of people remember Chandler from the for the baseball camp that was there. Oh, okay. But I taught middle school at Chandler for uh, two years. Wow. And then got a job teaching in Tulsa at Union High School. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I finished out my teaching career at Union High School. I didn't know I was going to finish it out there because in uh, I, I got involved in the Oklahoma Main Street program by accident, ended up taking a job in Wagner, Oklahoma as their first Main Street director. And I said, I'm just taking a break, you know, from teaching. And so uh, I'll just take a break. I'm going to try this for a couple of years. Just just see what see what else there is out there, because all I'd ever done was teach school. And 35 years, I'm still on my break. <laughs> You're still on your break. You always have that to go back to, from, just in case. From, from teaching. No, I'm not sure I have a valid teaching certificate <laughs> anymore. And, and I'm not sure I'd want to teach under the conditions one has to teach yes. today. You yeah, know. well, union, holy cow, can you imagine today? You know, it's just, um, or any. I mean, it's huge. It's just a huge It's school. huge. And it's just, you know, it's so prescribed. Whereas I, I had a curriculum to follow, but I had a lot of freedom in, mm-hmm. in how I imparted that information and taught that information. And um, there are a lot of rules know, now. There, there's there a, lot a lot of, of rules that. Yeah. That it doesn't. I've talked to f- former teacher friends of mine that, you know, the latter part of their careers was really, really uncomfortable. Rough. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. such a bummer. But, but that's how I. Um, Got back to Oklahoma the when first time. When were you in time. Wagner? What, what years were you in Wagner? 86. 
Okay, so that's, I mean, I was, we had a house, my family's from Fort Gibson, my Mm -hmm. mom's side of the family. And so we would go to Fort Gibson, we'd stay with my uncle, and we'd go to Wagner at night. And there was a bowling alley Mm -hmm. in Wagner where the balls came back up and you could see them coming back up. They didn't go underneath, maybe. And we thought that was like the coolest place ever. And it was probably about in 86 when we would go there. And we thought it was the cutest downtown. Yeah, it did. It, again, I, this is where my upbringing in Charleston really, really paid off for me because I was, found, you know, became very interested in historic preservation. And that was such a component of the Main Street program was economic develop using historic preservation as a tool. In other words, you yeah. preserve your history and the architecture of your older buildings and use that as an economic development tool to build largely tourism or public um, buy-in. And it was hard because this was the 80s. There wasn't a lot of money. There just, you know, I don't, there there wasn't any money, you yeah. know. Um, for, I got hired out of Wagner, and this is the funny part. I went to Pahuska. Oh, if you could be there now. So I lived in Pahuska for two and a half years managing their downtown Main Street program. Oh, my gosh. And I said, of course, you know, people ask me, oh, man, that's cool. I go, well, no, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Re- Reed Drummond was in high school, yeah. you know, over in Bartlesville. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> when I was there. And it was a tough time because the two major industries in um, – Pahuska were, were oil and ranching, and oh, those, gosh. you know, were the um, uh, areas that were so depressed and that had been caught up in the whole Penn Square debacle, oh, yes. you know. And so oh, yeah. for years just prior to, to, to my being there, um, you know, Pahuska was freewheeling. I mean, it was, they had lots and lots of money, you know, and the stories that I heard about the parties, you know, and the goings on and people traveled. And so they, you know, uh, went on these amazing trips and, you know, they didn't, but they did not invest in their downtown. And all of a sudden the, you know, money things are cut off and, they're sitting around and they realize they have this great asset with this architecture. They did a survey and there's 188 contributing buildings on the National Register. There's a National Register Just in district Pahuska? in Pahuska. What? In downtown Pahuska. I guess that's we may have lost it works a few. for Killers of the Flower Moon, right? Yeah, they, they may have lost a few mm-hmm. since then. But that was quite, that was why I took the job was to work this National Register district. Wow. And think about the work that you that you did in the '80s on that really set the stage for what's happening now in Pahuska. I, mean, oh, yeah. I don't think they would have been as far down the the line in terms of preserving all those buildings. Well, if when when they I hadn't when I, done that work, when I go talk to smaller towns, I say if you really want to blow your town off the map, uh, you know. Get a reality TV star in a lifestyle program because <laughs> yes. I look at Waco. Waco. Now they have a whole network that just launched. Yeah, the, Waco did that. Now Pahuska's done that. And I think I think the visionaries in Pahuska that were um, there, you know, when I was there, and some of them are still there today, I think they knew that this town had something, you know. And it was just architecture. It was history. There, there was something and it was just going to take something that to get it to pop and what 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 took it to pop was the popularity of Reed Drummond mm-hmm. and her and her show and that really brought attention you know to the to the area and and they were right it had 
whatever it is, you know, to make it work. Do you think though, that work. there's a lot of towns that sort of have what it is, but there's a little bit of luck involved? I mean, the fact that Re ended up back there. Yeah, I do. Husband, they I ended up on the ranch and she, you know, I mean, there might be a lot of towns out there like, well, there might that... be a lot of towns that have somebody that tries to have a lifestyle reality TV show, but the personality isn't right or something just bombs. And so, yeah, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of luck. It was a little bit of pre-investment in the community and understanding that their town is special. And so you have to have that vision to, to do that. And, you know, but a lot of it is what are people going to to gravitate to and what are they going to love on these lifestyle shows i mean yeah that wasn't waco that people right no fell in love with you know and they they didn't fall in love with pahuska they fell in love with what reed drummond was doing on the ranch and then reed drummond invested in the in the town. town and when i was living there we were trying to get a national park for the tall grass prairie that was one of the biggest um efforts that we were doing at that time for tourism and um, we were very well on our way, and uh, then some, um, some looking for the right word here, there were some disagreements with the tribes who own the mineral rights, and so the, the congressman that was working with us pulled his support. Oh, okay. So, you know, and, and rightly so, the timing wasn't right, but... The Nature Conservancy stepped in to preserve it. It's just not quite as much of a tourist attraction as a national as a park national would park. would have been. Interesting, um, but it still preserved the land and and was still uh, preserved what was there. And then we had Reed to come in and actually take care of preserving some of the buildings, buildings. in the in the essence of Pahuska. Wow. I mean, it's kind of parallel to what I just mentioned about Charleston having a Bravo show and why I know so much about Charleston now. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you're right. These shows really do bring a lot of knowledge. And I mean, we even had, I forget, I mean, Lee's show. Oh, yeah. We had Sweet Home Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. That was. (laughs) I don't know if that was. I don't know. But I mean, that's not his lifestyle. I mean. And it didn't last as long. Yeah. It didn't last as long. That's so interesting. And just, you know, people in Charleston don't really like that show. They don't. Oh, I'm sure they don't. No. They don't think it's a good image for the city, yeah. you know. Well, but Charleston I've never is, watched it. you know, it's 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 different because they, you know, they ask me, "Are you a a Charleston Jenkins?" And I go, "No, I'm a Georgia Jenkins," because it makes a difference. And and so the the fact that I wasn't born in Charleston, you know, mm. always is going to set me apart part mm. a little bit, you know. From well, there. I I can yeah, I mean, the drama of the show is pretty dumb, and you know, some of the people, whatever, but. It is interesting how they do show like the buildings in downtown that have been refurbished and they do talk about architecture and things like that. So I agree with you. It's probably, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how I would feel about it being from there. However, like sometimes I'll go on Zillow and look at downtown and look at some of the houses just to see. Well, I think if it gets your attention and, you know, and, and do that and. I certainly uh, watched Sweet Oklahoma, Sweet Home Oklahoma, and I, you know, watched it very much with tongue firmly in cheek right, about what was there. It was, it was great. quirky and, and fun, and and I and I and I loved seeing you know places that I recognized and things that you know. So yeah, there's probably some I was 
probably speaking more of the Reed. old guard. Yes, yeah. the old guard. That, yes. that would not. But um, I also agree with you that like the lifestyle, like what, you know, um, Chip and Joe did and what Ree's done is like totally different than a reality show, right? I mean, it yes. is reality, but it's more about like what they're doing in their community. Yeah, because you go, you go to Waco and you go to Magnolia and you go there to try to emulate that lifestyle, you know, with that, right. um, with the retail shows that they, the stores that they have there. And they have one in Pahuska too, the Mercantile, right, oh, yeah. for the mercantile, you know? yeah. So it's it is it's kind of saying I'm going to live the same life, and that's what hey, that's good retail, well, that's it, good business. Mm-hmm. That's Actually, good business. so from my perspective, so going to TCU, we would drive through Waco to go to Austin, and it was always like we didn't want to stop in Waco because there was only like a Hooters off the highway, and then recently when we've been stopping because of them. You know, there are all these new restaurants, and it's like, I mean, now we, we stop there in And there's Waco. probably a lot of historic places in Waco. I've never really been there. But that now they're able to highlight sort of the personality of the city that was probably always there. Uh, but kind, it I never, mean, I mean, is it, I don't, is it kind of like Fort Worth in the terms of its, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, That's kind of. Other. I know there's historic stuff there, but I'm just saying as far as like stopping off the highway on a road trip before we would like right. pl- plow through and not want to stop. And now you can stop and actually sit down and have a good meal at some sort of decent restaurant. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Whereas before it was like Hooters and McDonald's. So that whole idea know. of preserving the history. I mean, I think that's, and everybody that we've interviewed, I mean, I think really Brian Bogert said yes. it and then Graham said it, is that keep Oklahoma City authentic. And I do think, probably maybe not the old guard in Charleston, but that they probably, they've kept Charleston authentic by preserving its history. So, I mean, I think that's probably what is obviously happening in Pahuska. And so right. what happens after Pahuska? Where do you go from there? I, I went to Denton, Texas from Pahuska. Ah, and uh, I was in uh, Denton in their downtown for seven Seven years. I like. Do they and, do they have a historic? I mean, I guess everyone has something sort of well, historic. Well, you know, they had a courthouse town? square. You know, oh, so I love they a courthouse have, square. Right, like Jack, Texas, I mean, like uh, Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah, Texas like has a Enid lot of and, courthouse squares. I and, that is my favorite part about driving yeah. to like friends, lake houses, and small lake. It's going through all the teeny courthouses. Yeah, and Ugh, like, we had so a gorgeous cute. courthouse um, on the square in Denton, and Denton had two colleges. You know, and so uh, they had the University of North Texas and Texas Woman's University. Who's the big family that's involved with UNT? I'm like blanking on their name because haven't they done? There's like a family right in Denton that's done a lot to preserve the city as well. No. I don't know. I know nothing. If I do, if if there is, I'm sorry, I don't remember. Okay. (laughs) Um. You know. Anyway, I loved being in in Denton, and I was really the first manager there. Started from the ground up. It's so it's what really year booming. Was this? That was nineteen eighty eight, eighty nine, okay. or late eighty eight, early eighty nine, and um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Lots of stuff happened there. I was involved in community theater. We took a downtown. Were you in movie. the community theater, Jane? Did you perform? I did. Whoa! Oh. What did you do? Did you sing and dance, or were you an actress? What was it? it was I did all of the above. <laughs> and Wait, I was have, also, you, have you ever been in lyric here before? I was also a director, so um, that, this was just going back on my college experience. Okay. Um, they know I haven't you been for in lyric. lyric here. You what know. you need to be. Um, 
I want to get the word out. Lyric, Jane's available for some auditions. (laughs) You know, community theater was a lot of fun in Denton. And um, we were able to purchase a downtown theater and during the time that I was there and uh, rehabilitate it. So the latter years that I was there, we actually had a real stage. Before, we used to do our performances in what we called the Visual Arts Center, which was an old... um, like steam plant that had been renovated as a public art center. So we had to build our stage from the ground every time, every time. And uh, so the campus theater was, uh, was really nice. In fact, it, it has a claim to history because it was one of the theaters that had the premiere of the movie, Bonnie and Clyde with uh, Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty there. And so we have pictures of them sitting on the sidewalk on the curbs. The movie was filmed in the North Texas area um, not necessarily Denton, but in some of the small towns that, that surround that. So this, this theater got the um, one of the premieres. And uh, just wonderful people, of lovely community of the arts. You know, the, they supported the universities that, that were there. Um, it was, uh, it's, just a, it's just a fine, it's, it's a fine place. It, I really liked living there. Yeah. So then after Denton, now, do, now, do you go, do people come to, people come to you and want to hire you away from all the places that you are? I mean, do you, or do you get to the end of your run and you're like, I'm going to go look for another job? Well, in, in I this, get the feeling you get stolen away. It, well, yeah. In this particular case, I was recruited to go to work for the National Trust for Historic Preservation. And they had an office in Fort Worth, Texas, obviously not very far from, from Denton. And uh, it was the regional office that provided National Trust services to um, Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. Oh, cool. And so I was hired to be the regional director there, so I was in Fort Worth, so I didn't have to move very far, but I had to go back and forth to Washington a lot. You know, that's oh, wow. where the mothership uh, The was. mothership. And in, in Washington. And um, I really enjoyed that job, but I found that I missed being more local. You know, um, and so one day a friend of mine uh, handed me a piece of paper. She goes, they're hiring a downtown person in Boulder, Colorado, and it looks like they wrote the job description from your resume. (laughs) And I said, she goes, I think you ought to apply for this job. And I laughed at her and I said, Kate, no one is going to hire me in Boulder because I have a Texas address. They don't like Texans in Colorado, you know. And um, but I did apply for the job, and I did get the job. And so in 2000, I moved to manage and be the first director of the uh, downtown Boulder Business Improvement District. Oh, my I was gosh. in Boulder on Monday. Does it still look good? It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> they have a Does downtown st- courthouse on. Is that, is that on the, the courthouse Street on Pearl Mall. Street Mall? Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, I had been there one time like 18 years ago. It was absolutely beautiful. It was thriving. It was Monday. There were people everywhere. It had a sense of place and it's, you know, right at the base of the mountain and you drive up to go to see, it was, it was amazing. And then yeah. I was sort of researching and, and then I was looking you up online and I thought, oh, I forgot that Jane had been in Boulder before she was in Oklahoma City. Let me tell you, the groundwork that you laid is is really this it's a thriving oh city, I, I i know beautiful. and it was it was it was a real privilege to be able to work in that environment i learned a lot about working with retailers you mm-hmm. know and mean, um that's the majority of what's that's going the on majority of what's downtown. there there were uh i think when i was there there were over 300 you know retail businesses that oh, um wow. 
and you know they had just built a mall outside of there, and they were recruiting from. Oh, the we Pearl went Street to the mall. mall. Flatiron, Flatiron Crossing. I mean, it was fine. Yes, I mean, yeah. it was fine. It was cute, but it was like it was like class and curve. It was like any mall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was just a mall, but they recruited a lot of um, uh, Pearl Street businesses. Some of them didn't make it. Some of them expanded, but it really sucked away from their Pearl Street store. But you know, be that as it may, that's how the market works, and that's you know. That's what goes on, but it was really fun to be in that. I loved, loved, loved the climate. The climate. It was hot on Monday. If it makes you feel any better, it was miserable. It was like ninety-two. So yeah, but you can step in the shade and cool off. <laughs> well, that's and it, true. And it cools off at night. Huh? It, it didn't, didn't this week. Okay, no. So so it was nicer here than it was <laughs> right. colder. So I just want to make you well, feel good. Well, it used to cool off at night. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with climate, climate change. change. <laughs> <laughs> but I I was uh, I I met my husband in when I was in Boulder and we got married and ironically he was from Ponca City, Oklahoma. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and had gone to college at OU and had. Uh, finished his master's degree and as I say he defended his thesis put his dog in a car and he drove to Colorado to go to work for Hewlett Packard okay Hewlett Packard was was brand new in Colorado then and he had been recruited to work for them so he uh was in Colorado for 30 you know ended up being in Colorado for 32 years until one day I came home and said you know there's this job in Oklahoma City and I think I'm going to apply for it and he went, okay, <laughs> I'll come visit you. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, oh, I think you'll find that it's a little different, you know, than what you remember in the 1970s. <laughs> and so when I came for my interview, it was around Thanksgiving of, of 2008. And it could not have been more perfect Oklahoma weather. Aww. You know, the sun is nice shining. You know, the it's like absolutely the trees gorgeous. Are oh, uh, so yeah. beautiful. And while I was off doing my interviews, you know, Howell grabbed his camera and explored downtown, and you know, took a ride on a canal boat and Bricktown, and did all of this, and then. Um, they took us to the Thunder game that night. That was the we first had the Thunder se- back then. Was that the first uh-huh. season? That was the first season of the Thunder, Gosh. and it was actually um, the first game uh, that was coached by Scotty Brooks. They oh, okay. had just let the other coach coach go, and he was the interim coach. So that was his first game wow. as as coach in, in that November. You know, and we drove around outside, and Hal goes, you know. I th- I think we can do this. <laughs> so um, so I did. I did to accept the job, and I moved in March of '09 to Oklahoma City. And how did he retire? When he retired, he retired, he retired uh, from Hewlett Packard. Um, he actually moved in uh, July of of '10. Okay. He he he. Uh, I sent him back to Colorado. You know, you have to sell the house and retire and <laughs> and, and and do all this stuff. So, um, so he moved permanently in ten, and he he loves it here. You did know, we have a downtown it. OKC organization? We did, we did. And did it have a CEO? It prior did. to it did. It did. It. Had, I w- I am the fourth CEO for Downtown Oklahoma City Partnership. And who was the mayor then in two thousand nine? Um, Mick. Mick. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, Mick. because we've had David Mick. for a year and a half. Yeah, or, yeah. Mick, okay. Mick, Mick was the Mick, Mick Cornett was the and mayor. Did, then. Does he hire you? Who is your boss? Um, I work for a board of directors, and so we're a nonprofit organization, the Downtown Oklahoma City Partnership, 
And so um, I've had several different bosses. It changes every two years as the board elects a new president, you know, a new chairman. Um, but it's pub. The Downtown Nicosia Association is publicly fun- is funded by the city. No. Oh, it's, it's funded by the. It, there's the, there's several. I have but, my my organization somewhat complicated. Uh, the Downtown Oklahoma City Partnership is funded uh, largely through um, sponsorships of events that we put on, like downtown in December. Okay. And then we have the Oklahoma City Downtown Business Improvement District. And that is actually a unit of the city that the city contracts with my organization, Downtown Oklahoma City Partnership, to manage this business improvement district. And that is funded through property owner assessments. And so the property owners basically petition the city and they say, we want a higher level of service than what your baseline service is, and we're willing to pay for it. And so they petition the city and you have to have, you know, the law is 50% of the land area represented. You know, the property owners say that they want this additional assessment. And we usually like to go forward with 60 or 65% of that. And then once they've done that and the bid is created, then it's a mandatory assessment. So, okay. So uh, the city, you know, collects the assessment and we provide the services and then we file with the city for reimbursement from that assessment. And since we're... So, like, what services? Um, we sweep the streets. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're in charge of the street sweeping? Uh-huh. In some cases, we are. Okay. And um, and and sidewalk stuff, emptying trash cans. Okay, it just depends. Like it depends okay. on, on where we are. But we also get to do... Uh, fun things like branding, you know, oh, any fun. kind of things that you well, see. Well, you guys have great branding in uh, in the districts that are that are branded. Uh, you know, that would be us. Um, tonight, I'm going to put in a plug. We have the Midtown Cooldown, which is oh. from four to seven or. So is Midtown under the? Uh-huh. Da- yes. Which districts oh, okay. are part of Downtown OKC? Bricktown. Okay. Um, Deep Deuce. Right. Automobile Alley, Midtown, Uh the Arts District, which includes West Village and Jones Assembly, and then City Center. And City Center is like where the Skirvin is. Yes. Yes, what you would consider traditional Traditional downtown. downtown. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So we do all the the branding for that. And like I say, uh, some of the bars and restaurants in Midtown will have uh, drink specials on drinks they've concocted for Midtown Cooldown um, this afternoon. We're going to need to cool down tonight because I think yeah. it's going to be really hot. <laughs> yeah, it'll be well, fun. So, so over the past 12 years, how, what do you think the major changes have been in downtown Oklahoma City and how has downtown Oklahoma City partnership contributed to that? Well, I think one of the major changes it has been the number of people who live downtown. You know, we've obviously yeah. built several very large apartment uh, complexes uh, in all the districts. and. Yeah. So so we have increased the number of people that call downtown home. And that that creates a population which is which is really uh which is really important yeah. for for that. Uh you know, I I you have to talk about the the redo of the Marriott Gardens and bringing that space back to life and uh you know, that was all part of I don't know if you remember Project 180, but that was part of when they built the Devon Tower the tax increment financing from that went in to uh, redo the streetscape throughout a lot of downtown and the Myriad Gardens. And then uh, 
another big change. The um, scissor tail, yeah, obviously, scissor is tail. really transformed that, mm-hmm. and and the Omni and the convention center. I mean, we can't even tell the impacts of those things yet. It's just a visual impact. It's just, it, you know, how big can you dream, you right. know, from that. And uh, the um, Boathouse District was here, but they expanded with the Whitewater and the um, second Boathouse that uh, is more of the concert center. Mm -hmm. And now they have a surfing area. You know, they're just doing great. Yeah, skiing. Um, So those things have expanded. And, you know, like I said, the people that that live here and are are doing this, the streetcar. Oh, yeah. You know. Tell me about the streetcar. I've never been on it. Have you been on it? No, remember we talked about this last time. Oh, we did talk about this last time. There was... There was was there there was a streetcar in Denver too. I noticed. I've not been on the streetcar. Do you take the streetcar if you were going to a meeting? I do. Um, you have to. You can't not take. The I street can't car. not. Take you the have street to take it even <laughs> if you're and, late to your meeting. And that's 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 for various reasons. Um, number one, uh, first and foremost, I'm a huge fan of public transit. And so I feel like I have to say I do love public transit. I I took the train in Denver. I the, I love the to example. It. You know, yeah. I just feel like I have to do that. The other thing is is that I was on the citizens committee for the project. Aww. You know, so yeah. I followed it from from beginning to end. And um uh and I just think that what people need to understand about the streetcar is it's just a piece of a puzzle. Public transit is putting puzzle pieces together right. that connect things. Public transit is expensive, and so this was a piece of a puzzle that will connect with other pieces that that they come in right now. Um, I am the vice chair of a committee on what's called bus rapid transit, and so that will be a route that will go from downtown where the uh, modal center is on uh, Hart. Oh, right next to the museum? Where the, the bus memorial. Where the buses go next to the museum? Next to the Memorial Museum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 thank okay. you. Okay. That will go there up Classen, up Northwest Highway, all the way out here to pass around the academy that's, oh. that's out this way, uh-huh. and then back down. And bus rapid transit is usually in a, a dedicated lane, fewer stops, you know, more like an express, but it will connect with the streetcar. So... If you oh. were to live along that bus rapid transit route, there, you know, hopefully a park and ride or something where you can jump on this mm-hmm. bus rapid transit. You can get downtown and then um, then you can get on the streetcar, you know, and get to events at the Chesapeake Arena, you know. That's so interesting. Well, that's how we, we went to the baseball game in Denver. When I was in Boulder, we were really in Denver. And we took the train from a friend's house at Washington Park downtown and walked to the Coors Stadium. When it I was when I lived in Boulder, so I, easy. I almost never drove to Denver. I took the bus to Denver from Boulder. And, and there is sort of a culture around that, right? I think in Oklahoma City, we think of the you know the bus does isn't a normal form of transportation. But if you live in New York City, of course you're taking the bus, taking the bus and the subway. And yeah, I think it, if we can figure yeah, out a way to transit public transit really needs density to be you know successful but it also needs the right attitudes about it in terms of yeah the population seeing the benefit and it has to be able to suit the population it has to be more convenient for them for whatever reason than taking their car you know less expensive less expensive faster faster, traffic free you know Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's um 
Or you could be doing something else, like working when you're on the bus. Or, or you drinking know. if you're going to Or drinking. Uh-huh, or drinking. Uh-huh. Yeah, or drink. <laughs> Sorry. There we go, Emmy. You know what? No, well, but that's, that's, that's real. A, you're right, though. You're right. That's one of the main reasons we did it. we lived in Dallas, it. we took the train to American Airlines Center to go to, like, a Mavs game or a concert because, right. you know, you didn't have that's to worry right. about that's, drinking that's, and driving. That's... You know, Uber the, being the, there was a 130 bus that left downtown Denver, went back to Boulder, and we used to call that the drunk bus. The 130 a.m.? 130 a.m. Yeah, you know, bus. that was the last bus to Boulder from downtown Denver. You know, if you missed yeah. it, you were sleeping and, outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you missed it, you were taking a cab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, it you know it it is something that people have to get used to, and most of the reasons that, and and why it has not heretofore been successful in Oklahoma City, is and this is something people don't really understand. We have six hundred and twenty square miles, and because it's public transit, we have to be equal in how we serve the people that live in those right. six hundred and twenty square miles, and it is hard and expensive to serve a fast and frequent. Routes yes. in six hundred and twenty square miles with that much land, yeah, that you know, sense. that's there. It's a huge challenge for public transit that's there. But we finally, the other component that'll come into this that I think will make a huge difference is the regional transit authority. And so we have had several different municipalities that have signed on to this regional transit authority that will be looking at transit options between. Uh, Oklahoma City and Edmond, Norman, Midwest City, you know, um, whether those will be trains on existing tracks or bus bus movements. But, you know, our bus service in um, in Oklahoma City is, is contained to Oklahoma City. That's right. what we right. serve, mm-hmm. you know. But with this regional transit, there'll be a and that's what they have. So you in would Denver. park and ride, let's say in Edmond, you'd park your car, you'd hop on the bus and the bus would go straight from Edmond to downtown Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. I mean, there I might mean, be a few stops mm-hmm. along the way, but you know, to I pick love, up people. So, is would you say public transit is kind of the thing right now that you're really trying to sort of like change people's minds on a little bit? Or I, I think so. I, it, I think that when we talk about winners and losers during the COVID thing, and we think about businesses like yours, Catherine, mm-hmm. you know, and the retailers that that are really having to uh, rebuild, I think the biggest loser from COVID is public transit. Because nobody wanted to get on a communal. I mean, I stopped taking Uber, and that's not even public, right? Right. Because I was just freaked out. Yeah, yeah. And so we'll have a long way to build back up. Yeah. You know, we have a long way to build back up to the public's trust, Uh, but we were just starting to make a dent in um, in how people were viewing public transit. A lot of the uh, the younger population that's here that that are urbanists really get it and understand how important it well, is. I look at the streetcar and I'm like, here's a confined space I can put my children in and they'll be entertained for 45 minutes. I, I mean, yeah. seriously, yeah. like I, I I think for families, it's a great it's way. Like, it's a great way to see the city. We had a bi- a busy weekend. The last weekend in June in Oklahoma City was the kickoff of the Arts Festival, oh, the yeah. opening of the Pompeii exhibit at the Art Museum. There was the Pride Festival at Scissor Tail Park. There was Red, White, and oh, now I can't remember what they call it. Stars and Stripes Festival at the Boathouse District. Wow. There was the Oklahoma Beer Craft Beer Oh my. Fel, uh, it used event. to be it was you were lucky if you had one event. Oh. A month. Uh, now you're <laughs> anyway, I just want to say that downtown handled it beautifully. We had um record streetcar ridership. We really promoted people taking the streetcar, you know, to all of these events. And um and 
with all of these different things going on, it it worked. I mean, and that, you know, it was like, we're here. We, you know, we yeah. are a big league city. Mm-hmm. We can handle all of these multiple events, you know, in our downtown. And we have the volunteers to work them. And we have the consumers that will come out and participate in them. You know, we have a public transit system that will support it. Yeah. I mean, it is. it was just a really happy place for me to see that we could support so many of those popular events within the infrastructure that we're working on building. Wow, that's amazing. And you can go to multiple events in one, one weekend, right? I mean, you could have gone to the Arts Festival and then you could have gone Taking to the t- you could have gone to the Pompeii of, exhibit mm-hmm. you know and you just have to walk from walk there, right there and then um you could have we were at the boathouse that weekend i think yeah that's the stars mm-hmm. and stripes festival and then you've got um like i said the pride festival was at at um scissor tail scissor tail yeah and they were supposed to have a parade that started at the oh, west village and it ra- yeah. got rained out mm-hmm. i think yeah. they're going to reschedule it but you know but yes i mean great. we're we're doing these things and and there's you know, and one of the things that COVID has done now is built this huge desire to get out and about in and be among city. people and be in, and in, in, in your own city. Yes. Yeah, I agree. What about a grocery store downtown? I know that that's, <laughs> you probably get asked this a lot, but I, I do think every day. Every day. Every day, really? And so you, I know you've thought about it a lot. What are the factors involved in making something like that happen? Why has it not happened? How soon do you think it will happen? Well, first of all, we, we've had some efforts for groceries downtown at um, the level apartments that are in Deep Deuce. There was a Native Roots Oh, yeah. I remember that. Market. Yes. Um, but didn't, didn't it close? It did. There was okay. Commonplace, or the Market at Commonplace, the market which has at changed commonplace, a little bit now. Yes. And it's closing, too. Um, it is closing permanently? Uh-huh. Oh. Just heard. Um, oh, that makes me, okay. so, that sad. Makes me so sad. Well, okay. You know, so, when, well, but when people go to Europe, for example, right. and they see all these green grocers, you know, and and they go, well, why can't we have that? You know, well, that's what Native Roots was. Mm-hmm. But when you are in Europe and you're walking the streets and you're seeing these green grocers, or in New York City, for that example, mm-hmm. look up. What do you see on top of that? Giant building, thirty stories buildings. of people yeah. that live right. in these buildings, and so. Grocery stores are low-margin businesses, Mm -hmm. and so they rely on volume. High volume. High volume. Mm -hmm. And so in a downtown where you can't necessarily build a big parking lot, you know, or something like that, or have big parking lots, the only thing you can do is something like Native Roots, and it just wasn't a profitable business. It was bought by um, Uptown Markets. Oh, and it was. It was. I didn't realize that. And uh, and so for a while it was an uptown market. You know, uh, they changed some of the the offerings to be a little bit more mainstream. You know, and thinking that that might boost it. But then the whole uptown market thing is gone now. You know, it's Pruitt's Foods. What about? Okay, I just had I an idea. Tell sold. me if I'm sure somebody has said this to you, because I'm thinking about, and I know Austin is like a totally different city than Oklahoma City, but you know how they have the Whole Foods in downtown Austin, and then they have the corporate offices on top. I mean, what if we could convince someone to move a corporate office downtown, and then they could have a store? I think we have um, a couple of pieces of land in downtown that would fit that model. You know, yeah. that are that are basically um, waiting for that. Uh, 
again, looking at grocery stores for a long time, I'm as I'm fond of saying, you do have a downtown grocery store. You just don't like it. It's the homeland, homeland at 18th and Classen. everybody who lives downtown shops there. Well, and I don't know if you've, have you been in there? No, I've I, never been in there. I have but recently. I was, recently. I was, yeah, yeah, recently. I mean, they, they've changed That's it. what I've heard changed. it was It's across redone. the street from my husband's office. Because one of my friends just moved to Heritage Hills, and I was like, where do you go to the grocery store? Of course, that's the question. You do have right? to drive there, though. I mean, most people that live downtown would have to drive. It's yeah, they do have to drive. But for grocery stores, that's what they want. I mean, you know, we haven't been able to prove up the green grocer market. Native Roots has not been able to do that. Commonplace right. Market has not been able to do it. Um, it's too bad that Homeland or, is not more forward-thinking and more modern. Organic squeeze, you know. Oh, had yeah, a, they, yes, they, they had, had some, a little. They had a little grocery in. Um, in the what's in the, the same place in the edge. Edge, but, yeah. and again, it didn't. Isn't Homeland based in Oklahoma City? Aren't there headquarters here? How come yeah, they can't company, figure it out? They're coming. Well, it's well, so actually, antiquated. I feel like it couldn't be more stuck in the past. <laughs> well, I hate to say this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I try to be nice on this show, but it's why is Homeland not doing something? Well, I was just going to tell you that <laughs> they are doing something. Tell me something, that, that is my grocery store. and um, It was mine for a long time until I moved. And, you know, I think that they've made great strides. And so I don't look at it as the fact of how bad it is. Yeah. You know, they I look have at made, how much improved. <laughs> they had a long ways to go, though. It is, it is The one on May was my grocery store for the longest time. And Jay was in the vegetable section. I love Jay. But if, if you got a central market to come here, I would come to downtown to shop for we groceries. would love it if h-e-b anything would come h-e-b down. anything um, i mean it would be incredible i think the other thing you have to understand too is is that this is a big walmart town and 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 again you mm-hmm. have to look at the you have to look at the the demographics businesses are, aren't coming here just to because we want them right they have to they have to, to make money it has to be them. a profitable business and they they draw their circles or whatever it is that they do, and um, and it just tells them that there's not a you know a dense enough population for this. Now Whole Foods proved something wrong. I mean, proved that wrong mm-hmm. when Whole Foods came in, right? You know, um, and we actually thought that we would see more interest in that type of downtown market, but we haven't yet. Part of it is too the city's efforts have been focused on Northeast Oklahoma City. Which was also a place where they desperately needed a grocery store. Yes. So, you know, now they're having, they'll have two coming really soon. I don't know if you know about the market that's on 23rd Street in a a development called East Point. It's just a uh, small strip center, and they put in a market and that a nonprofit is providing the produce and Homeland is providing the food. It's kind of small. Okay. But it's great. Go there. It's on 23rd near 23rd in Rhode Island. Okay. On the east part of east of the capital. Okay. Is it near Florence's? Uh it's before I can't remember if it's before or after you pass Florence. Okay. But it's in that it's in vicinity. that general, okay. general okay. vicinity. And um and there, the the bar that's there called Kindred Spirits. It's also really fun. Is it mm-hmm. okay? And I've seen pictures of it. Looks really. Yeah. it's cool. it's an amazing development uh, that has uh, given the business owners an an ownership an equity stake in their if they Wait, sign up. Wait, so for that when you rental. say Northeast Oklahoma City, you're saying by the capital. 
That Nor- is Northeast that Oklahoma is, City. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's Northeast Oklahoma Oh City. my gosh, I never knew that. I was thinking like over by Costco. Like in my mind. Oh, that's, that's still, you're like, still Northwest at that point. Yeah. No, that's, no, that's on the East side. I'm just like. Costco? Like, like up by like up by Chisholm Creek, like oh. in my mind, that is like northeast Oklahoma City. No, because like, that is actually west of two thirty five and yeah. Broadway Extension. I think anything oh, east of two thirty five is northeast Oklahoma City. I see what you're saying now. And okay. so at thirty sixth, I think in Lincoln, they just had a beam signing there they are opening a homeland there and it should oh, be that's open exciting. by that's right not diff- next so to is the zoo considered in northeast, northeast yes. oklahoma city mm-hmm. oh uh, i feel like such a dummy Where right now the hospital is i mean you know, yeah OU, yeah yeah medical, well, so because i used to live out at lake aluma and so that's okay okay i'm i'm, I'm it with together. it now yeah it just seems south to me right like it doesn't seem that far north but it is. Well, it's Oklahoma amazing. City is divided in a grid, and if you use I-40 and basically 235, I-35 as the axis yeah. of those okay. grids, you know, you've got northwest Oklahoma City, which downtown it goes out from there, and then northeast Oklahoma City, which is I the see. other side of I 235, see. but north of I-40, and then southwest, which is... Uh, west of 35, south of 40. South of 40. Yeah. Okay. So you can see how the, mm-hmm. and, and, and our street names actually reflect that. So that, right. for example, uh, you might live on Northwest 20th. Right, right. Know? Okay. But it, over where this little grocery store, I'm talking about the market, it's Northeast 23rd. Oh my so gosh. On the other side of 230, on the other side of 230. I feel, I, I, yeah. I feel so silly for not knowing any of that. I actually think the official dividing line is Broadway. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it I think should, you're right I mean, in terms it should of the street for names. Ad, for, I mean, yes. for addresses. Right, yes, right, right. For right. example, if you've ever been to Iguana right, downtown yes. on 9th that's Street, the address on that is Northeast. Northeast. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Well, so how many people live in downtown Catherine, Oklahoma City? Catherine, we need to do final questions. We're going to do final questions. Here, but okay. How many people live in, in downtown Oklahoma City, in, in your districts? About 7,000. That's oh, wow. it. I know. I would have said it was like twenty five thousand. No, I how wish many people lived there 000. when you came in two thousand nine? Probably four thirty five hundred to four. Wow! So you almost and doubled. how many people do you think ten years from now will live down there? Double fourteen thousand. I hope twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Yeah. I, how many do we need for a grocery store? A hundred. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you really need. Um, you really need more than that. Yeah. And and part of it is is that and the part that I didn't get to is again. Walmart has a huge part of this market, right. you know, yeah. and that was the part that I said I had hoped that the Whole Foods would prove out that people would shop somewhere else. And it's not just the Walmart Supercenters or the Sam's. It's the Walmart Neighborhood Markets, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, they do a lot. And so the grocers that look at that and look at those price points and look at, you know, what people's tolerance level will be for, you know, a, a more regular grocery and it just it's it's tough. It's more challenging than you think. It's it's not yeah. like okay, there are a lot of there's not a grocery play. store here. Let's plop one here. I mean, right. it's it's got to be it's got to be profitable. Well, something to aspire to, right? You know, you and know. Uh, and continue to 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 work at it and 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 look at it. It's um, I think that uh, that things like Trader Joe's, although that's not in Oklahoma City, um, uh, and the Whole Foods have shown that there is a pent-up demand for that, but you could not put those models in northeast Oklahoma City. You have to put something like a homeland there, 
you know, for starters, and that's the market for that. And I cannot tell you, we have been looking at a grocery store in northeast Oklahoma City. In the 12 years that I've been here, that's what we've been trying to do. Because for me, it was a political issue. I did not want to go fight for a grocery store downtown until no, northeast until... Oklahoma City had yeah. one. Because the need was, was greater, greater there. there. Because the people that live downtown, they can get in their car and drive to a grocery exactly. store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and there was that grocery store at 18th right. and, and if you, yeah, you know, right, if, right. If you if you needed one. Mm-hmm. So first, final question is a three parter. So it's kind of Oklahoma City in 10 years, especially downtown. You in 10 years, and then why am I missing the third part? Oklahoma City. Jane in 10 years? Well, uh, Oklahoma yeah, City. Oklahoma City, downtown, and you. Sorry, yes. I guess I was thinking okay. Oklahoma City and downtown were kind of the same. But where do you see all of the yourself and those things kind of, what's the progression? Well, I think that in 10 years, Oklahoma City will, um, will have a more diverse population. They will have a larger population. Um, you People that are more mainstream and not not as involved as like I am are going to see that we have a more diverse economy in terms of biotech and aerospace industry and um, and the fact that we've always identified with energy and that energy will still be here you know oil and gas and energy is still here we've just diversified that and that diversification will bring in a diverse population and we will um, so we will have more people here. Uh, I think that for downtown, hopefully some of those people will be living downtown. We've already put some things in place to make downtown an attractive place to raise children. Um, we have an John elementary Rex. school yeah, John you know, Rex that's is there. Incredible. And uh, we, we are programming things that are family friendly. And I think with Scissortail Park and then the growth that will go to the west of Scissortail Park will contain a lot of residential and people will use the park for a lot of family-oriented, you know, uh, activity as that develops in the next uh, 10 years. Um, for me, I hope that I'm just sitting in the middle of it, you know. Uh, I'm, me too. Uh, I'm, uh, I can kind of see you being a mayor, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's changing. It's for mayor. I like it. I, 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 I hope to be one of the – when people – ask if I had taken leave of my senses when I left Boulder to come to Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that I did that is because I, I looked at, I did the five-year vision thing, and I saw myself in Boulder, and I saw myself doing largely the same thing, which I liked, you know, doing. But in Oklahoma City, I saw an opportunity to be part of something that was on the cusp of greatness, you know, yeah. and to be a part of leading this city, you know, into into what it's going to become. And I feel like I have been part of that, and it's been amazing, and I hope to be part of that, that next step. Um, when I first came to Oklahoma in the 70s, Tulsa was the premier city in Oklahoma, you know, um, you know all of the Tulsa Oklahoma City rivalry uh, <laughs> things that are out there, and um, 
I read something in the Tulsa world one time when I was in, I, I cut it out. Someday I'm going to go through a box and it's going to be there because it was a, you know, a headline or a capsulated thing that said, you know, Tulsa is a Mercedes with a Bible in the front seat. Oklahoma City is a Cadillac with a shotgun in the front seat. <laughs> and, Wait, that is hysterical. and I thought that that was that the was greatest description perfect. at that time perfect. of the description of the differences oh, between Tulsa and, and Oklahoma City. I like a Cadillac and a shotgun. That's yeah, in that in that great, <laughs> and um, and so uh, I, uh, I I I come now, and I was actually talking to someone who's more Tulsa centric, uh, talking about those differences, and actually, she she admitted that Oklahoma City has been able to position itself and is now the premier city in Oklahoma, and it's largely because the citizens have chosen to invest in themselves. The MAPS program, which we didn't even talk about very right. much, just transformed um, Oklahoma City, how we thought about ourselves, you know, what what we did and allowed us to be proud of our city in a way that we never had before. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I do think you're right. My feelings about the city as I get older completely change. I mean, I sort of, growing up, people would say, where are you from? And I'd say, oh, Oklahoma City. Now I say, Oklahoma City, it's amazing. You should come visit. We've got all these great things to do. You, My pride in the city has definitely grown as I've And it's interesting, when I talk to people that are outside of Oklahoma City that are in my line of work, for example, Mm -hmm. or in urban development or or something, they hear the buzz about Oklahoma City. Do they? Yeah. they 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 hear the buzz. And so they know that there's something buzzing out there. But once you get out of that demographic of, of where people are working, you, you still have a long way to go in, um, in, in developing the Oklahoma City brand. My, my mom's cousin sent me an article the other day. It was in a real estate magazine that said something. I think the title was Midtown Oklahoma City is the best urban district to move to now. I mean, it was in, she's a real estate agent. She found it. She sent it. And I was like, you're right. It's hopping every night of the week. Yep. Are you ready for a final question? I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So your best friend from high school comes from Charleston <laughs> to visit Oklahoma City. You pick them up at the airport and you have the whole day to do whatever you want. Where do you take them? What do you show them of our city and your favorite spots? Well, our, our first stop would probably be a bar. Um, <laughs> for an early morning drink I like this. Uh, yeah Mimosa. no I'm I would I would show them obviously downtown that would be uh, be the first thing and yes we would probably stop somewhere to uh, you know to have a have a cocktail and um, which one which what are your oh, that's what I was just trying to think is it early morning that, you can have whatever you can start at five in the afternoon and go till the next day if you want um I'm I'm kind of fond of dive bars. Maybe the powerhouse. Ooh. Um, Nobody's ever. Oh, said it's that. it's next to Farmers Market, right? Yeah. Uh huh. I've never been there, but I've been dying to go. But Gotta it's get away from children. the airport. Yeah, it's, you're you right. Know, before you. Yeah, yeah. That's a you, great. I love the powerhouse. You know, um, so much doesn't open until the you know till the afternoon. <laughs> uh, well, some of the places that serve brunch, you can get away. Right. With <laughs> that's right. But but uh, you know, I would go to eat at Patrono. Yeah. It's my. Favorite is that your favorite spot? Yeah, don't I, one of my favorite okay. spots because I have lots. I need to go back to, to Patrono that I have to keep you know keep up with. Um, you know, we would go. Uh, it depends. We probably do a canal boat ride because I I love it. And I don't know if you know this, but now they have these thing called um, 
Art Afloat that is art on the river. And on Thursday nights, they're doing a musician on the canal boats, one at seven, one at nine, one at seven, one at eight, and one at nine. Awesome way if you haven't done a canal boat ride in a long time. I have time. not in years, since the beginning. Yeah, it's 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 great. On Thursday nights, 7, 8, and 9, I recommend the 8 or 9 o'clock when it'll be cooler. And you actually show up at the uh, Bricktown Brewery to get your oh. tickets. And it includes two beers nice. or two drinks yes. at Bricktown Brewery. And then you can get a half-price growler to take on the boat with you. Fun. You know, and then I think there's some appetizer after the oh. after the deal is 25 bucks it's best 25 bucks you'll ever spend wow okay that's okay. the trip two beers and a growler growl oh god okay half a gra- or, or half, half price half, growler half, half, yeah, yeah. okay but still that's yeah and uh, anyway I, I just think locals ought to go back and, and this is a great way it's a great incentive for locals to go back and experience the canal again you know because we have lights and there's things that are so different and bricktown is just such a wonderful part of our history and that's kind of where it all started you know with the downtown revitalization spaghetti warehouse and spaghetti warehouse and um it's just it's just worth a worth a visit or the streetcar can take you there you know that's so. a great idea mm-hmm. especially so, if you're gonna have two beers and half a growler yeah you better get <laughs> the streetcar. so that's what i was saying is that we would get there and probably get on the streetcar and 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 go around on the streetcar get off at stops and see see places you know and um and shop and enjoy uh, seeing friends and meeting people and hopefully letting this person see that everyone that they meet in Oklahoma City is friendly and it's just, you know, the nicest place on earth, you know, yeah. for for doing things that are fun. So if people want to get more information about the Downtown OKC Partnership or just events, things like that, where can they go? DowntownOKC.com. Perfect. And on Instagram and Facebook and all that? All of the above. It's all downtown OKC. Um, probably. Probably. <laughs> well, you're not more. the first person to yeah. to kind of get squeamish when we ask that. Because yeah. we, we, some people are like, .org, .com? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I, I know the website address, <laughs> and I'm sure that all of the social handles are on are the, the same. website. I think they are. Uh, you know, yes. are on the website. And and don't forget, we manage the social media for Midtown, Automobile Alley, Bricktown, uh, Arts. We have, I oh. think the last time I counted, we had like 27 social media accounts that we well, were managing. People should definitely follow Downtown Oklahoma City on Instagram. I think it's D. Town OKC it maybe I, I, I can we should people should definitely follow that and then start following the districts that they like and that they really you know want to check yeah, out and another another way to get really good information is if you go to the website which is downtownokc.com uh, somewhere on that website and I think it's near the bottom of the page you will be able to sign up for a newsletter. Yeah. That's oh, I get I, the newsletter. I, I love it. You know. And mm-hmm. so yeah. you sign up for the newsletter and every Wednesday you'll get an email from me that talks about everything that's going on downtown over the weekend. Yeah. I, I read those religiously. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just realized that was under my scout guide email and I need to sign up with my normal email. Oh yeah. You need to switch yeah. it. You yeah. Switch so it. it's, um, it, it, it's just a great way to, you know, to, it comes to your inbox, whatever email address you use. But like following the Instagram account is probably the one where we get the most uh, most followers. But we also have Facebook and Twitter for all of the districts and for everything else. Well, Jane, we're yeah, so excited that you. you came to Oral Roberts and that you <laughs> yes. have 
love Oklahoma City as much as we do and consider yourself an Oklahoma Cityan. Is that what we I say? Do. We, I do. I do consider so myself an Oklahoma Cityan. I'm I'm proud to be an Oklahoma Cityan and a you. citizen of this city. Well, we're lucky so to have are we. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at ActionCityOKC or for business inquiries, email us at hello at ActionCityOKC.com. Action City is produced by Blacken Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Blacken Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative. Music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll.